Hey, what's up? So, Avalanche. Let's talk about it. What's, what's an avalanche? The snow comes down real fast, fierce, gains momentum. But I'm not talking about the natural disaster. Or if it's not really a disaster, I guess, if no one's around. But anyways, avalanche. What is it? You've heard about it. Now you're going to hear some more. It's an open source platform for launching decentralized finance applications, right? DeFi. That's what you want. Developers who build on Avalanche can easily create powerful, reliable, secure applications and custom blockchain networks with complex rule sets or build an existing private or public subnet. Right. I think what you should do right now is stop what you're doing. Even if it's listening to this podcast, stop, pull over, go to the gas station if you need to go to a subway. There's a subway like everywhere. There's always a subway. All right. Right, there's always a Kroger. Just stop in a parking lot somewhere. Go to avalabs.org to learn more. All right, stop. Go to avalabs. That's A-V-A labs, L-A-B-S dot org. Now entering the Bitcoin Podcast Network. It's a Bitcoin podcast i know you've been waiting and congratulations you made it you made it to the next show we 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 just it's about to it's just gonna out coming out off the presses right now all right so this is episode number 324 of the bitcoin podcast <laughs> hey, look, you look you're like curious as you say it like Ugh. Is I hope that it's three twenty four because I didn't look at the show card notes or whatever we we do and so all right we're just gonna roll with it so I'm your I'm the host of talks first D I'm another host Dr Corey Petty what's up everybody and I'm Jesse Broke thanks for uh, listening to us yeah buddy Alicia has confirmed it is three twenty four good job us good job we have been. We're able to keep track of numbers. The show flows through me. I don't. I don't need no stinking notes. What are we doing today? What are we talking about? Well, you the oh, one yeah. that was apologize. Like... Apologize ahead of time. I have a severe allergy day, so you'll be hearing me sniffle yeah. uh, in and out throughout this podcast. Say what you said before we start recording. Oh, it just feels like my face is revolting from the rest of my body. It's just trying to leave. My fucking face is falling off of my body. I don't even know what that so feels bad. like. But I bet it's I know so Nicholas Cage and John Travolta do. They certainly know. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah. So 
so today, your core, you posted a link and you were like, hey, uh, hey, everyone. Apparently, the attorney general thinks that crypto users are criminals. And that's not what you oh, said. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I was like, hey, what, you said. what did I say? Let's just go up to it. Uh, say. I didn't say much, to be honest. I just said, basically, uh, Attorney General William, William Barr announces publication of cryptocurrency enforcement framework. It's the name of the article that I dropped. This is relatively important. Uh, at least I thought it was. Uh, let's, I'm going to open it up here. How many, how many pages does this thing have? It's like 80 something, right? It is 83 pages of the U.S. Department of Justice a Framework on Digital Currency Enforcement. And too long didn't read from what I can tell. Uh, nothing too crazy, except that they don't understand any of the legitimate use cases of cryptocurrency. And there's about 15 pages of illegal uses of cryptocurrency. So you can see the lens they're coming from. Hmm. So it, it all boils down to, Corey, what you said many times in the last few months is that is a government is not going to be comfortable giving up control of the current, the power. Right. That's all it boils. That's that's the theme here is that, hey, y'all's crypto usage is cute and all, but we still are more powerful than you could ever imagine. Well, I, I don't see it I mean, that way. I mean, that may be true, but at least in the context of this particular release, um, it's the Department of Justice. They're going to view it through the framework of illegal use cases and the things they're trying to stop and protect people from yeah. or catch bad people from doing stuff. And when they look at cryptocurrency through that lens, it enables a lot of people who would like to do bad stuff to do it a little easier, potentially. Mm. And that's, a, that's the only lens they care about. That's the only thing that they're trying to like look at and have an enforcement framework for and stuff like that. It's like, how does this enable the people we're already looking at and tracking and attempting to stop to do the things that they're already trying to do? They're not, it's like, don't expect quality, like regulation to come from this. It's That's only going to be like, like, how do we stop it? Or like, how do we watch it? How do we, how do we surveil it? How do we punish people for doing the things that we're trying to stop them to do when they incorporate this into it? Like, how does how does like people sending money overseas like tie into them, uh, you know, harboring money or like putting money offshore yeah. for, for tax evasion purposes, things like that, right? Do you think and then how much proof can we put towards a specific type of cryptocurrency use case in the context of tax evasion? Do you think that the USDC and like these different, what do they call them? CBDC, central bank digital currencies are just like vaccines for the financial systems of the, of the, of yesteryear. Are they just a way for them to basically, you know, put a virus in the crypto system and see all the times that crypto touches their digital currency? Just I don't know. Just a portal, just a gateway. They just want to see Man, your, usage. From their perspective, this is hard. Like it's yeah. like, what a like. So she said. So. What a terrible, <laughs> what a terrible case. Like worst case scenario is like, hey, you think we got a handle on things and how to like watch stuff and you know keep people from doing things and you know have a lot of controls on 
on money flow or whatever. And then like this comes out and it's so it drastically increases the, the access and ease in which people can mm-hmm. send value across oh. the globe. Now we've got to do yeah. our jobs again. Oh, <laughs> anyways, I don't know why, but for some reason, when we started talking about this and then I said uh, something about evil, has anybody like really thought and appreciated the level of persistence of Emperor Palpatine, like from Star Wars, have you guys really thought, like this man was trying to build planet cannons the whole time? That's all he wanted to do. <laughs> planet cannons. I wish they called him that. That's what he should have called it instead of the Death Star. This is my planet cannon. But anyways, if you think about, let's see. It. Hold on. I'm on. I'm on. Uh, illegal uses here. Um, starting on page five. This document. And if you think about the iterative process on this planet cannons, right? First it goes Death Star, giant moon, and then it goes like an actual planet. And then he's like, oh, those both don't work. They're too big. How about this? How about planet cannons on ships? And then I could put a bunch of planet cannons on different ships. I'm just saying the, the persistence is admirable, if anything. Sorry, I don't know. I got real distracted with that, but you sure anyways. did. So they think we're they think we're hooligans, right, Jesse? They think you're a goon. How's that feel? Um, I think that's a wrong assumption for a lot of people who are in crypto at Fair this enough. point, at least. Very level answer. Here, I got you. I'll start off with, uh, I'm just going to read out some of the things that they mentioned as a illicit use cases. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is this broader category. One is using cryptocurrency directly to commit crimes or to support terrorism. And the bold sections of this, of this section, like the subsections to this section are buying and selling illegal things, buying and selling tools to commit crimes or to support ter- ter- terrorism, ransom, blackmail, and extortion. Raising funds for criminal and terrorist activity uh, it seems to be the last of those bold use cases uh, under the the larger topic of using cryptocurrency directly to commit crimes or to support terrorism. Right. The next larger category two is using cryptocurrency to hide financial activity. And the bold sections here are money laundering, operating unlicensed, unregistered, or non-compliant exchanges, uh, evading taxes. Avoiding sanctions. Uh, so that's that's that section. And three, the lar- the third largest section is committing crimes within the cryptocurrency marketplace itself. That's theft and fraud, uh, crypto jacking. That seems mm. to be uh, kind of <laughs> can't help it, can you? And so that's kind of their their uh, sectioning of the Ill- the illicit use cases of crypto, which I think are pretty well encompassing of all the like things that people can use this technology for and, and the problems we've seen across the board. Like, can you, can you like really complain about any of those things in terms of their, their inclusion in this paper and like detailing how it's done or what it means? I don't think so. I mean, those are all illegal. You can't do that shit with regular money. No. But it, it just details like this is this technology enables those activities 
and in, in, in some cases creates new ones and that's kind of like the, the crypto jacking the malware well, that's more of an enabling thing but like theft and for like more cases of theft and fraud crypto jacking is a, is a is a newer thing i'm not ever gonna do illegal things with my bitcoin i don't think i just wish that the legitimate use cases was more than half a page <laughs> so what well, i just what i just said to you with like bold like bold headlines of larger paragraphs of text explaining things and like a bunch of graphs and charts and and, and like cases on these things it's just you know i'm tired of it i'm just gonna live my best fucking life you know they can do whatever they want give a well, shit this may lead to specific types of rules and regulation within the United States that then potentially keeps you from living the life you'd like to lead because you can't use cryptocurrency. It's like it, may, it may increase the barriers of entry or decrease the inclusion available to you for this type of stuff, which then like ostensibly exercises you from, from the cryptocurrency community. But they can they can lock me up, Corey. Give a shit. It's legitimate. It's legitimate worries. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. I don't use crypto in ways that elicits the law to come fuck with me. So I'm just fine. I pay my taxes. All right. I probably pay more taxes than a lot of people because I don't have kids, and the system encourages me to start a family, so I get refunds. But whatever. Fuck it. I don't give a shit. Take my money, Uncle Sam. Build roads or be crooked, whichever. There's nothing I can do about it. Um, let's talk about different shit on a lighter note, right? right? Lighter. Old okay. old Squarespace buying Bitcoin, and then giving instructions on how other large businesses can buy it too, and instructions. You want to you wanna, you want to try that again? You want to try that try again? What? Try what? Who bought Bitcoin? Square. You didn't Not Squarespace, that. Square. <laughs> They're different. Sorry. Did I Very. say Square? I said Squarespace, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. Square. You can listen to too much Joe Rogan or other podcasts. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, try Squarespace. It's in, man. It's in. That's every fucking, every podcast has that. Except ours. You know what, Corey? We need to contact Squarespace. Alicia, contact Squarespace. <laughs> um, so. <laughs> Uh, Square bought $50 million in Bitcoin. And then they went the extra step and said, you know, not only are we going to buy this, we're going to educate other businesses on how to hold it on your balance sheet in a tax-friendly way. And I was like, man, you motherfucker, Jack. I've been talking shit about you for years, but this one right here, I could chill with you now. Oh, we could chill. We could drink some Mike's Hard Lemonade. Raspberry flavor. Oh, you're really, you're really, you're really giving them the, the business. Yeah, wine cooler mode, bro. I'll, I'll, order some, I'll order some Zima off of eBay for you, Jack, for this move. All right. Uh, by the way, Zima is disgusting. I don't know how that was a thing for you guys that are like turning 42 right now and we're drinking Zima in college like it was going out of style. What the fuck was wrong with y'all? But anyways, um, ooh, that probably struck the core to some of our listeners, probably. Like that. <laughs> no, no, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. 
I don't know if anyone's going to disagree with that statement. Somebody else. Misha seems to think Zima was very good, and I would have to disagree with her wholeheartedly. I bet you put I bet you put Jolly Ranchers in it, didn't you? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So there you go. That that tells you a lot. <laughs> Anyways, um, I think that's really cool, man. And I think it goes to show that like this stuff is gonna spread like a virus. And I hate to sound so a pomp with it, but obviously he's on to something. So I think Twitter. He's not, not saying anything thing. novel. Like it's, yeah. it's, he's just you just you just saying the obvious shit. That's that's pretty much what I feel now. Like if you're if, if you're listening to Apom, you're just listening to Doctor Obvious. Yeah, like it's, I mean, but people need obvious on their on their morning like uh, morning uh, commutes. You know, they don't need a lot of hard thought on the morning commute, or else they'll like hard think themselves into the back of a semi truck. You know what I'm saying? You gotta keep it light. That's what morning radio is about. But anyways, um, I think that's Jesse, you're gonna, are you going to fall asleep on us? No, I'm reading this. So they're saying oh. that uh, they're saying that if you use Dash, Zcash, or any like Monero, anything that's like uh, anonymity focused, privacy preserving, privacy preserving, you're you're basically going to possibly label be labeled as a criminal for trying to chain up. Really. That's interesting. Yeah. And uh, that's not going to go away. So we have yeah, invited. We put a link. Wow, kid. I'm typing. So we got a little bit of feedback. A little bit of can. feedback from you. Yeah. We might have to mute you. We might have to mute you. Mute shot. Mute shot. All right. Um, I'll mute yourself thank, when you get some headphones. Thank you for joining, Ken. We have uh, we have opened up the lines in the Slack for people who would like to join us in this show because we don't have a guest today. We're just going to be chatting and talking to folks who join us so but can, you need headphones to fill you in yeah definitely because right now you're a little echoey and a feedbacky uh, i think i heard children too but uh, we were talking about this legal framework that was released by the attorney general um basically uh, you know it's a novella about how um, criminal you are and the different use cases for criminality but then there's like a half a page for you're using this stuff right and jesse just pointed out that if you're using privacy preserving cryptocurrencies you will be deemed a terrorist can you what what, what uh what section is the page all right so yeah. it's on no i'm kidding like that's not what it said right because if that's what it said then that's oh, what it it up. so here 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 the the department so page 41 uh starts on the on the first column, bottom of the page, the department considers the use of AECs to be a high-risk activity that is indicative of possible criminal conduct. In most circumstances, the department does not liquidate seized or forfeited AECs, as doing so allows them to re-enter the stream of commerce for potential future criminal use. Companies that choose to offer AEC products should consider the increased risks of money laundering and financing of criminal activity and should evaluate whether it is possible to adopt appropriate AML CFT measures to address such risks. Um, that makes sense. Like I was saying, like, hey, if you're gonna if you're gonna include something that's gonna like that adds a level of anonymity or enables anonymity and privacy, then you will have more increased risks because you're more there's less information for them to look into to investigate money laundering. And if money laundering is enabled through that process, more than likely someone's going to use it. 
paragraph. No doubt about it, right? Look at the like, next, next paragraph. It says AECs are often exchanged for other virtual assets like Bitcoin, which may indicate a cross virtual asset layering technique for users attempting to conceal criminal behavior. This practice, which is commonly referred to as chain hopping, is discussed further below. So you're not, you're not, I don't think you're allowed to use tumblers, mixers, and chain hop because, Oops. yeah. I, I think don't think that's what it's saying. It's, it's saying that we're aware that the processes of chain hopping involve these technologies. And if you use them, that puts you in a higher risk associated, like a higher risk category because you potentially enable these activities. And if you do, we're going to investigate it. So if you do it, try to look into other processes that are appropriate for AML CFT. Mm, so it's well, what I'm saying is like as a person who's holding, sorry, uh, go ahead, go ahead, D. No, no, no. Go for it, Jess. Your thoughts are probably going to be more coherent than mine. I'm still thinking about Star Wars. Uh, no, if, if like, say I hold Dash, right? Say I hold Monero, and then I choose to buy Bitcoin, right? Or I choose to use, I don't know, like um, Uniswap, right? Uniswap or, or some, some protocol that um, autom automatically finds me the fastest route and the cheapest route to get to that and and uh currency that i'm i'm shooting for that that could potentially like how direct does your money have to touch funding terrorists for you to be labeled as helping finance terrorists i think like, if you can make a quality case for yourself then you're fine it's just that if you use the technologies and it touches things you're putting yourself at a higher risk for investigation so that you will need to justify your actions. If you're able to justify your actions, you're fine. This goes back to like, you know, the gold thing, right? When they wanted to repatriate all gold, and then if you held on to gold, you went to jail for like 10 years, and you paid a fine of like $10,000. Like, I, I feel like, I have a feeling like, they're just gonna rule out, like just broad blanket, like we're not gonna allow this project anymore. Like this has no, um, this this has no legality to run alongside the U.S. dollar, and then just gonna like blacklist projects. There's a potential for that. We've got to stop it by voting, and I'd like to take this moment to remind everyone to get registered to vote. All right, that's it. Um, one, Jesse, you're not wrong. Uh, they can do that. They can do any of those things, but that's kind of like our duty is to pay attention and put people in positions that they don't. Now, I know that sounds shitty, given the current reality we live in, but that is what has to happen. So for all you youngsters learning that just turned 18 last night and you're hungover, uh, go register to vote and do it. Um, that's a fucking public service announcement from D. All right. Um, I don't think anything's going to get too heavy because I think that enough people with deep pockets in powerful places will have so much crypto, they're going to want to preserve their wealth. And that's kind of the viral nature I'm talking about. Uh, shout out to A-Pump. Is that like, oh, I have built tr tremendous wealth in this cryptocurrency arena and I have power. I am now going to start campaigning and lobbying to preserve my wealth. That's how the viral nature takes place. That's why giving congressmen and European um, parliament members uh, a bunch of Bitcoin and then educating them on it and then letting the small 5% of them sit on that Bitcoin and watch it grow 
And then the smaller 1% of that 5% that went all in have a massive amount, a massive amount of wealth. They start protecting their wealth. So I'm not too worried about the eternal general. And it's bullshit. So um, let's get back to the lighter note. Companies buying crypto and following instructions from each other how to buy large amounts of crypto. That's a big deal, man. It's a really big deal. Um, I don't know. I think I'm looking forward to a future when you like go back behind Walmart and they're like mining crypto. That's going to happen. Uh, what? It's going to happen, bro. I don't know. What, what do you mean? I'm saying like crypto is going to spread to the point where like companies that you wouldn't think are involved with crypto in different ways are going to be involved with it. And I think, one of, I think they'll be mining. I do. No. I'm not, I, not I, don't, I don't see a future in which the uh, centralization of crypto mining, like the cost of capital to get started, is not going to be specialized to people who are running like severe operations. That didn't happen in like the back of a Walmart. You need. Oh, I ain't gonna happen anytime soon. But what happens? When I, they I don't think that's going to change. Walmart. I don't think that that trend is going in one direction. I don't see it moving in another one. Yeah, we're going proof of stake. We're going to ditch proof of work as soon as possible. Oh, Bitcoin ain't. Yeah, Bitcoin's not going to do that. Proof of work ain't going nowhere. Proof of stake is going somewhere. Proof of stake is going somewhere fast. Proof of work is going nowhere slow. Put it on a shirt. <laughs> we could literally do that. You could do that. Yeah. You, have, you have a shop. No, well, somebody's supposed to be contacting us to run the shop. But none of you guys want to do that. None of you guys want to. None of you guys want to help us. Help you, right? Help us. Help you. Can I know make you stupid know. shirts? Make make stupid shirts so that we can sell them for we need maybe reasonable prices at very low margins. There we go. <laughs> we need an individual that can run a Shopify and a Patreon. Terms negotiable. But you gotta have passion, heart, and and uh, what else? It's gotta be three three qualities: passion, gusto. heart, and gusto. gusto. You gotta be willing to break some eggs. You gotta be willing to ruffle some feathers, or is it? You know what I'm saying? Ken said thanks. I don't know what you're saying thanks in response to, but the links that LJ keeps giving him. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so if, if you're that person, young or old, hit us up in the Slack, thebitcoinpodcast.com. And there's a button that says Slack. You join it. Sorry, Turn your guys. phone off, bro. That's my iPad. Turn your big phone off, bro. It is just a big phone. It's just a big phone, like, and it's annoying to me because I got it thinking there would be more functionality than there is. Nah, dude, it's a big phone <laughs> without without the actual telephone capability. Yeah. So every time I go to a website that I really need to use, like for functionality's purposes, and I'm on my iPad, I just sigh because I'm like, ah, oh, God, now I gotta, this is a fucking waste of money. But it wasn't that much of a waste of money. Right now, it's really it's- expensive paper. It's really expensive digital paper. That's. Because right. that's the only other other opportunity it offers you. Is to like you're take you're so right. You're so right. I should have just gotten a damn MacBook, but uh, or a notebook. Yeah. The more you learn, you know. 
So, <laughs> so I guess where we can kind of tie all this up in a package with talking about the attorney general and, and, and what they're saying is like, how long is it before we, I have to go Dennis O'Leary and go underground, like, <laughs> you know, underground from, uh, and I know the man's name is Dennis Leary, but I've been saying Dennis O'Leary for years now. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm talking about Demolition Man, a great American, great American cinema. Uh, one of the best movies ever made, clearly. Uh, but Dennis O'Leary's character runs an underground civilization that is rebelling against the o- the, the 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 ground level civilization of bullshit. And I feel like that's one day what I'm gonna have to do. I'm just gonna have to fucking do that. Excuse me for a second, guys. Y'all take over. You gotta check your big. Your big phone? All right. No, my family members keep calling me. All right. Mute yourself. All right. Tell me about what's going on in status. What are you guys working on? Just to be clear, this is not pre pre programmed. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just curious. Yeah, this is, I did not expect that. Uh, Oh, man. Lots. Currently in the process of moving the backend uh, messaging layer to uh, a new library that allows us to connect to the web way easier. So you can have like an in-browser experience and status way easier amongst the, among a, a lot of other things. So basically like how the computers talk to each other and the underlying protocols in which they can use to do so to build the network to pass messages along is going to get a lot better. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm definitely looking forward to that, which is like enables a lot of cool things that I've been wanting to do at Status for a very long time. You guys ever gonna uh, fix that um, that uh, ENS, but make it payable in uh, Status? Yeah, so like there needs there needs to be a move to layer two of some sort, so that like, most of the use cases that I think could be really really fun in a chat context mm-hmm. uh, are too expensive to use. Uh, layer one Ethereum, right? Like, no one's going to pay a couple dollars in gas to like do like a, a reaction in a in a in a chat. Like, say for instance, if you said something funny in a chat room, I can tip you like fifteen S and T. No one's going to do that if it costs that much to do a transaction on Ethereum. Mm. So you need some type of layer two solution to now allow people to do that, and on and things like that, like staking in certain well. channels, all kinds of stuff. There's a lot of What's fun point? things you can do. What's going on in AVAX land? In terms of, I thought you were, I thought you were gonna like look into building a bridge between what is it Dai and AVAX? Yeah, I'd like to. No, I'd put be Dai. Uh, oh, it's kind of the whole layer two solution thing too. Like, like you need a place to go that has access to the S and T asset that's cheap and fast, so you can enable all these use cases. Most people in the Ethereum ecosystem now are kind of a like mass exodus to XDAI which is mm-hmm. an implementation of the proof of authority network. Yeah, I hate that network. Um, but, it, but it works. It's working for people. Like DAI yeah. is the under, like XDAI is the underlying asset. It's a stable coin. Mm-hmm. That's what yeah. you pay for transactions for. And then and transactions are fast and cheap, unfortunately. Um, but they have the security of those right? networks. It's just a whole other network. It's just, yeah. it's, yeah. a, it's I guess you could consider it a side chain. Yeah. Um, with an asset bridge. But the problem with that type of stuff is that the underlying security of those networks isn't nearly as good as why, blockchain networks. Why wouldn't you call it a subnet? Uh, 
Yeah, I don't know. It's semantics at that point. Like, what okay. are you considering a subnet versus a sidechain? My family uh, thought I got kidnapped. Main... You did not get kidnapped. Welcome back, D. Jesus Christ. And y'all wonder where <laughs> I get it from. <laughs> it, like, everyone in my family called me simultaneously and was like, we thought you got kidnapped. And I was like, why? Side, sidebar, why did I think you got kidnapped? Because I go hiking in Kentucky. And I'm black. So they're worried. Welcome to my life. <laughs> oh, you guys were like, oh yeah, it makes perfect sense. I can see that. Ken in the chat had said we should allow ST to be gas. And yes, Ken, that's kind of uh, a point of using a layer two. is so that you can enable more stuff like that. So you don't need to have multiple currencies in order to do anything. Wait. So like. ERC-20 tokens can be gas? I feel like. In, in layer two contexts or or your own network. So if we build something like POA network, but better, or use Avalanche or use what Optimism will be, some of the rollups, things like that, enable any like Optimism is an optimistic rollup. It's an implementation of optimistic rollup. So like we're evaluating all these different, all the available layer two solutions so that we can do stuff like Ken said, where like, you don't, you can just use ST for anything in status. You don't need to have ether in your wallet or like you can use whatever you want but then it automatically gets transferred into status and then you end up using status right so like all that type of stuff is going to be allowed in the, a lot of the layer twos but evaluate them to make sure they're secure and also building a, a front end like a user experience that isn't ridiculously convoluted with multiple networks so that people understand where they're at and where their money is is incredibly important and incredibly hard like that's why I don't like a lot of the proof of proof of authority stuff like XDAI is because it feels like Ethereum, but the underlying security of these things is like a few people. Yeah. Right. And so you're, you're throwing away a lot of what we've done in the blockchain space yeah. in order for convenience and, and, and price of price of utility. So like, I'm looking at all these trade-offs, trying to figure out what's going to be useful for like how status moves into these things. Because unfortunately, like we're not just a messaging layer. It's, it's not like messaging is really important and that part of status is really important, but we, we tie into blockchain. And so we need people to be in order to like transfer value, but like where they transfer that value and where they hold those assets, it's a hard like thing to hold on to, especially when like the price of Ethereum is so high. Can you uh, give me like a not so technical that the audience won't care to listen, but just like an explanation of what the difference is between different roll-up types and like optimism roll-ups? Uh, there's two types of roll-up, I guess three. Um, so the main differentiator is between plasma and and roll-ups, right? Okay. And the the difference between a plasma off-chain, like or layer two, if you want to call it that, and a roll-up layer two is that the data of all the transactions is either stored on-chain, which is considered a roll-up, or off-chain, and then the layer one, which is considered plasma. And so if you're using something like plasma, the people who are running the plasma network have to deal with the data availability layer. Like how, where do you store all the transactions and how do you give people access to them so they can prove what happened? With a rollup, you're storing all of that information on the layer one itself so that the data availability, data availability layer is solved for. How is that but, done? How is that done? Yeah. Uh, you, use the, you use the call data of, of an Ethereum transaction. So whenever it, it updates on layer one from layer two, it basically stores all that information compactly 
in in the call data of the thing. And so you're paying for it. It's a mm -hmm. it's an expensive transaction to to commit all of that stuff. Um, and there's, there's and then you have like the differentiation between an optimistic rollup and uh, a zero knowledge rollup or zk rollup. Zero knowledge rollup basically when it commits all that stuff, it it actually also forges a zero knowledge proof that attests to the verifiability of all those transactions. Whereas an optimistic rollup assumes all those transactions are good, but allows people to like submit fraud claims in the, in the, in the case of it's not good. And there's a bunch of other kind of, you know, uh, trade-offs along those two things that get, gets into the weeds. So I'll, I'll keep it there for now. So for, for in terms of like security, like, okay, I, let's talk about security and um, speed, just those two things. And we're talking about ZK versus optimistic rollups. Optimistic uh, or optimism? Optimistic rollups is a type of rollup. Optimism is an implementation of optimistic rollups. Oh, uh, okay. It's a company that's building a building a layer uh, two. There's a couple. There's a couple others too. So what's um, the speed between the two? Uh, as far as I can tell, they're about the same. Uh, cost, I think, is going to yeah. be different because zero knowledge proofs are expensive, but you're also committing less information to the chain based on uh, that that proof. Uh, what you're what you're what you're paying for, uh, or like the main differences between the two, is going to be like uh, compatibility with the EVM. So like, mm. I think it's as far as it stands because it's zero knowledge proofs and doing that valid validity, you're not going to be able to be as general at least yet on a zero knowledge rollup. You can't do generalized smart contracts because the circuit that for the zero knowledge proof mm. doesn't isn't can't fit all that in there yet. But with optimism, you can just you can almost port directly EVM contracts, but solidity contracts directly to optimism, and they and they operate on what's called the OVM, and we can get that's just more and more and more details. Huh. interesting. I gave an it, analogy. Go ahead, Corey. I'm saying, in general sense, what you're doing is you're you're you're, you're executing transactions on something off mm -hmm. off the chain, and you're rooting a lot of your security and the transactional information back to layer one. And so that that bridge from from layer one to layer two, or side chains, or subnets, or whatever the fuck you want to call them, is yeah. incredibly important. And I think the use of zero knowledge proofs is really great because it allows people to have a lot more, I guess, confidence. But they're not good enough yet to allow you to do all the general things you can do on layer one Ethereum, like using smart contracts. Well, general smart contracts. So I was I was making an analogy to a friend that I was I've, I've been on ramping for for years now. And um, for, for about zero knowledge proofs. And I made this analogy and I wasn't sure if it was good or bad, but it seemed good at the time. And I just told him, like, um, like, imagine if you carved out a path in the woods and it was you knew for 100 percent certainty that that was the only path to get to that end point that you created. So you knew if somebody got to that endpoint where you were, that they followed the path that you carved out because there's no other way to get to where you were. So you don't need to actually physically see them go down the path. You know exactly the route that they took. All right. That's what I that's what I told them. And I didn't know if that was good or bad, but that's kind of like how I've interpreted zero knowledge proofs. That's not bad. That's not a bad way of putting it. I mean, if you can even call it another way, it's like saying like, um, you build a bunch of tunnels and rock. Mm -hmm. 
like those like those paths are, are set stone. So you could build a yeah. bunch of paths, and the more paths you build, the more complicated things could be, and the harder it is to do. But once it's set and it works, you know that people are generally taking the paths that are set in stone. You just can't see it because it's underground below you, right? Yeah. And, and more importantly, and you don't need to see it. You don't need to. You just know that that like they did what they were supposed to because that's the only way they could get from one end to the other. Yeah. Okay. So I'm glad because it looked like it really clicked with that person, and I like. But like, you know, let's be clear here. Like, let's be clear here. Like, zero knowledge proofs, in general, does not always mean privacy. A zero knowledge rollup, a zk rollup, is not a private rollup. It's just a. It's just a valid rollup. It's using it's using cryptography to, to prove validity, not to enable privacy. What's up, Jesse? What'd you say? Um so like in electrical engineering, right? We have this very simple idea, right? Um we have the idea of if I want to add say two plus two to get four, if I want to do addition of integers that are um, single single digit in um, decimals system, right? I can use logic gates, so I can I can do that in in hardware, pure hardware. Uh, I can do that in like a little bit of hardware with like a lot of software, or I can do it with like a lot of software or a lot of hardware and like very little software. So there's there's this like idea that. You're going to need some minimum hardware, but then the rest of, of what you're doing, the process to get you to that output of that four can be done either with mostly, uh, with a little bit of hardware, with mostly software, or any 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 amount of some some like some amount of, of both, but with a with a minimum threshold requirement for the hardware. So like if I if I wanted to build a a simple ALU, an arithmetic logic unit, right, to get any any numbers zero to nine and add them together to get anything that actually you'll you'll be limited to like less than ten. You can do that. So like what I'm what I'm trying to like wrap my head around is like whenever you speed up, like I'm trying to I'm trying to understand like for ZK rollups and all this stuff, uh, optimistic rollups. It seems like your your the speed you're getting is not from any improvements in the way things are compressed. It's more like you're 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 taking it somewhere and there's like a centralized entity that is using very powerful servers that is processing that transaction and then spitting it back onto this de decentralized network. So like you you take things like to layer two and that layer two is like they have all their servers on AWS and then they spit it back into Bitcoin and like, onto the like the Bitcoin blockchain it goes back into proof of work, like but you're getting the speed of the transaction by the centralization of the entity that's processing the transaction and you're not like able to like get around that it seems. Well, here's the thing like part of what you're trying to say is like at the end of the day if you can't fit it on layer one you have to do some type of aggregation mechanism outside of it that's going to have some trade-off mm -hmm. right something like that yeah and how you aggregate things and then how you can also prove that the aggregation part was done correctly and not fraudulently it's very important zero knowledge proofs give you a lot of confidence that it was done correctly 
because you can prove it really, really easily. The process of providing a zero knowledge proof is difficult for the prover, but easy for the verifier. And in some cases, and so who like, depending on the, the schema, like how you set these systems up, because let's not be real here, let's be real here. Like, this isn't like a, a single size solution. Zero knowledge proofs in cryptography is an incredibly broad field. And it's not like it, it's only enabling a one type of situation. And so like how you set these things up depends on who's who has to spend the resources to prove something and who's the validator of these systems. And what and kind of what you're doing with a lot of these like layer two solutions is you're aggregating a bunch of transactions and people are spending a lot of computational resources to verify things are done correctly and then submitting a proof ostensibly at the cost of like some type of incentivization. They're getting paid to do it, but they also provide a proof that's very, very, very easy to validate, make sure that they did all that work correctly, as opposed to an optimistic solution where like someone has to be digging through all that stuff to make sure it's done correctly. And then they may get paid. So like it's a, it's a combination of like who's doing the work, what are the incentives of that, and who doesn't have to worry about that, and what are the incentives of them? What are they getting on the offset? And then you do it all that stuff, and then you like take a fingerprint of it in a lot of ways. And you put that into a layer one. And so a lot of the conversation and meta that we talked about earlier on in Bitcoin days and like, what is the blockchain actually useful for? What is proof of work really good for? It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a judgment layer. It's the place in which you put things that are really important. And so when you're talking about layer twos, that's where people are buying their coffee and doing all the bunch of shit that like doesn't require, you know, forever history or a receipt or like, or, or, or a country's worth of electricity to verify it's done correctly. A layer two can do all that stuff and then wrap it all up in a nice clean package and imprint that into the layer one where you do need those security guarantees. Sounds so and sexy and, you say it like that. Yeah, but like that's what layer twos are doing. We're learning that like, and it's not like everyone is the same. State channels, roll-ups, plasma, they all have different tra uh, trade-offs in terms of what the user can care about and like the, the speed in which you can do stuff and how much you you're emplacing your trust on someone else. Mm -hmm. And that's all just like a, this huge open field of what's the best way to do this. And that's where we're at right now as an entire ecosystem is like, not only figuring out like how to do layer twos, but also like how to like integrate the different networks with each other so that we have a single digital scarcity living on multiple network, multiple networks simultaneously. So like in the end, yeah, yeah. like go ahead. Give up on the idea of like Bitcoin where everybody kind of can contribute with their normal computer, right? Nowadays, like all these projects, they're running like to have a validator node, it's it's a it's like like a 36 core PC. It it could even be even crazier than that, right? Like yeah, the, look at Filecoin. Filecoin is no one is running a Filecoin validator except for like very, very large companies. Right. So like but arguably, like, so like, um, let me see if I can say this in as few words as possible. The idea of Bitcoin was that everybody doesn't have an equal stake in terms of participation in the mining of, of the, in, in, like processing the transactions in the network but everybody contributes to a certain degree. And then when ASICs came online and people started having warehouses of ASICs, the difficulty adjusted to the point where if you have 
a normal personal computer, you're no longer a huge percentage of, of that network, of validating that network. In fact, it kind of pushes everybody out from really wanting to even participate because even running a Bitcoin core node is like, I don't even know how many gigabytes, how many hundreds of gigabytes, if it's at a terabyte yet. No, it's but, not. Okay, but it's huge. Like who who would actually do that? And And nowadays for all these projects, regardless of whether you're proof of authority, proof of stake, proof of whatever, you know, right? At the end of the day, like you're going to route your transactions, regardless of whether you're doing rollups, plasma, whatever, you're going to roll, you're going to, you're going to take the path of generally for, if, if we're trying to work towards this digital cash idea, we're going to, you're going to take the path of fastest transactional processing so that it has, it's actually, and this is for like everybody. So like, you're going to, if, if like, a, if like a thousand people are using this network, say, then and 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 say the difficulty or like yeah say the difficulty is just insane or somebody has like a shitty computer right you're not going to route traffic through their computer say they have a shitty computer so they can't hash anything they have a shitty uh internet connection so you definitely don't want to route shit through their computer so you're going to take like the the route of like whoever is renting the AWS server or has like really beefy hardware and a, a really stable internet connection and you're just, you're going to take that path every time. Like I just, I just don't see projects are like moving way, toward that. Alicia said that Bitcoin blockchain size is 304.99 gigabytes. So that's sizable, you know, that's about that as bad, large though. as call of duty. It's so, not that bad. Um, in the grand scheme of things so Jesse, in terms of what it's provided so far. And I have an answer to you, Jesse, but you go ahead. I was going to say, you're not wrong, Jesse, but also what you, what people need to understand is that like, we're not just going to like re uh, align the fabric of humanity, like overnight, like big companies and businesses are going to be the people that probably start the big pushes towards um, just making sure that everyone is using this stuff without knowing that they're using this stuff. Um, that just is what it is, you know, the, the normal, like you said, normal everyday people. I mean, do you know how many people that I don't even know how to look and see how many resources their computer is using? They don't know that you can hit, I think it's like a troll or enter or something. And you can see like how much processing power you're using and how much Ram you're using and all that. People don't even know that shit exists. They don't need to, they don't want to, they don't care. Like most people on the planet are like, oh, shit, they're not going to get a new hard drive until their computer saying, hey, like you need a new hard drive. They're not they don't even care. Like they're not walking around knowing how many terabytes of storage they have or or how many threads they're running. Just not going to happen. So the first movers in that space are going to be businesses are going to be people that have a unique use case for it that actually gives them value that adds value to their processes and adds value to their and it could be literal value like puts more money in their pocket those are going to be the entities that use this stuff first I'm i think what you're worried about i think now. what you're worried about like yeah that's right but like you're missing the point uh so not everyone is going to be no well maybe oh. both of you but like not everyone is going to be a validator that's not the point i think that's that's a that's a an unreasonable desire for any network 
the goal is to have a subset of people within the network. And this has always been, well, maybe not always been the goal, but like you always selected, you could selectively choose to be a miner in Bitcoin. The tendency towards hardware and the way ASICs were able to amplify your efficiency and doing proof of work mining made that trend drastic in terms of who was able to be a, like an actual contributing member and, and make money off of mining. Uh, it's like not the route he thought. At the same time, it still made a system in which those who are validating can't create cabals, or it's actually extraordinarily difficult to create situations in which the relationships between the people who are valid network can't take over the network. The distribution of power of those who do control the network is way better than previous situations. And I think that's what a lot of these consensus algorithms are trying to do in the first place, is not make everyone a validator. It's making sure that the people who are validating has a, has a relatively fair distribution of power across those who aren't doing anything and just using the network. And so proof of stake, proof of work, like avalanche, snow, and those types of things are, are just about how the people who are actually validating the network and bringing zero knowledge proofs and all that stuff is just making sure that the balance of power across those who are checking the watchmen, things and so forth, are doing things according to plan and cannot go outside those boundaries. Or if, they, or if it does, if they can, it's so over, overwhelmingly inefficient or uneconomical for them to do so that they won't do it. Watchmen's a great show, by the way. Good reference, Corey. Love it. <laughs> Both Watchmen and Cabal. For those of you who don't does know, Cabal is a click. It does make sense. All, all we're trying no, to do. I, I disagree. So, like, what I, I wish this is this is my this is my um, idea for a perfect world for crypto. You'd have the throughput of millions of transactions a second. On Bitcoin, Bitcoin is the end-all be-all. It absorbed all the technology, right, that everybody's trying to use, like in terms of how w ways to compress blocks efficiently, way ways to um, route, I guess, transactions. I, I just wish that every, like there wasn't this, um, the difference in hardware essentially makes it determines who becomes the 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 real players in terms of the actual network that's not the way the world works there's always that's going to be an, an, like, an, I, I wish i wish everybody had a smartphone that was like the this the fastest phone ever going to be invented in the in the universe and everybody like that was it there was no quantum computing that was it right so and everybody has like a say like, I just wish it was, like, democratized. I mean, you could but, wish in one hand and shit in the that's other. What I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Right. That's exactly what I... I wish it was like that. But unfortunately, it's not. Well, that's... It's Did not, but I think... wish and shit in one hand? Is that what you well, said? Yeah, you've, never, you've never heard you, that, that, that phrase before? No, I didn't. You can wish in one hand and shit in the other and see which one fills up first? <laughs> look, at, look, at, look at the peer-to-peer peer, uh, peer -peer networks like um, like Utorn, right? People, people pirate shit all the time like that's a huge network of people sharing shit for free there's arguably the only incentive is the media that's being shared there's no money you're right and there's also no incentive for people to contribute to it there is there no there's not there the is. only incentive how is, how is there new shit though like there's always new shit like the, yeah, move, the new those... movies are out like a week after they're in theaters jesse the Dang. only incentive is going to jail for being the person that gets caught uploading all this illegal That's shit. But still, it happens. Like, people upload shit. 
So yeah, like, why can't you have that happen with Bitcoin? Like, make it fast. Everybody like. Because there's value associated with it. Like, there's no like it's a digital scarcity. Yeah. Like you can copy all those files, and whenever you have digital scarcity involved, when it's actually money, like you need to have like a way in which you can verify the network is acting appropriately, and that 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 doesn't exist in BitTorrent. Let me answer this for Jesse real quick. The reason why that continuously happens with, huh? No, I just like I just wish the dynamics of of like of torrents would translate to Bitcoin. Like I wish it was literally like the same dynamics that happen, yeah. but unfortunately, you're right scarcity of course got you right with that that's unique saying of wishing and shitting and that is what it is is because there's no council of people sitting around saying this person just uploaded five terabytes of pornography let's take them down but there is a council of person who's like this person just stole five billion dollars let's take them down like that's the dynamic that we're talking about here like that's why. Well, there is a council of the first one. They're just way smaller than the second one. Yeah, and they probably don't care that much. Hell, they're probably like, <laughs> I'll get a couple of them terabytes. Shit, fuck it. You know, like it's, it's just <laughs> that's that's what I'm saying. It's like that's the dynamic. Nobody's like, we've got to take down this guy who keeps uploading uh, high definition quality Avatar movies over and over again. He must be stopped. No, like I'm sure if you went to James Cameron. And you were like, hey, Jimmy, somebody's uploading your movie illegally on the internet. He'd be like, cool, whatever, fuck it. I don't care. Like, I made billions of dollars. Give a shit. Tell like, that to that's... Metallica. Huh? <laughs> Tell that to Metallica. Well, Metallica was different because I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure their reaction was because like at least three of them in that band were going broke. Right? They've been living paycheck to paycheck for years. And they're like, oh shit, now my paychecks are getting less because people are stealing my music. Fuck. That's a great way to wrap up this episode. <laughs> um, We're sitting about an hour. Let's wrap it up. Yeah. I, I did want to talk about something else, though, but we don't have to yeah. anymore. I mean, well, one, I don't know if I'm equipped to, but I just wanted to make a note and then we'll move on. That 1.5 million Bitcoin are now wrapped on the Ethereum blockchain. I just find that very ironic. That goes ironic. back to something I said. Let's, 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 uh, sidebar that or hold off until next episode because it's a it's a trend that i'm seeing that i want to talk about is the concept the concept of a digital scarcity uh living across multiple networks and what that looks like for like this industry in the future because it's going to happen mark my words it is this it is, is going to be the trend and the mechanisms in which we have to deal with that at the moment aren't the best but they're going to get better and it's something that like you as a user are going to have to get used to and it's going to be real hard all right. That'll be interesting. Um, Let's wrap it up. So if you think you're that person, if you're passionate, have a good heart and have gusto and you have skills with uh, and galvanizing a community around a well thought out Patreon. I don't know. I'm losing my words here because I just am trying to get to this Chiefs game, quite honestly. Uh come hit us up man we we uh we do things jesse and Corey and myself and alicia and we don't necessarily have all the time it takes to pour into a patreon uh well but we know somebody out there has those skills right like we we know you do and it's not like you're gonna be doing it for free you know patreon makes money why wouldn't you get some of that money obviously right Corey, am i wrong am i right jesse 
for shout. There you go. You heard it from the council. So uh, hit us up. And if you want to tie that into Shopify as well, like we just don't have time to do these things. I'm not going to lie to you. But we want you to do it. We want you to spend your time doing it and be paid for that time. So that's that. Um, what else, Corey? What else do I need to tell them about? We should tell them about Avalanche, right? Probably. I know we got an ad. We had an ad at the top, but we should probably still just be like, hey, you know, check it out. What? You're the worst. <laughs> no, hold up. Maybe I can make a jingle for him. No, I need to think that. Oh, jingles. Let's let's start with jingles again. Jingles are coming back. Yeah, I miss the jingles. Those were great. They got one of they yeah, got us fired. For the, for the time being, there's gonna be a ad, there's gonna be a link in the show notes for Avalanche because they are a sponsor of ours, which you've heard on the top of the show. Yeah. But uh we're gonna start jingles. Okay. One of the jingles got us fired, but I I, I really like that jingle, so I was okay. It was with the it. best one. I don't understand. The butcher why we box? Got fired. Yeah. The butcher box one? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Butcher Box was a sponsor of us for a hot second. And we got fired. Gave them the best jingle of their life, but they fired us for it. <laughs> so um yeah, check out the show. Check out Corey's show, hashing it out. Check out Corey and I's other show, Block Channel. Check out uh, Boost Blocks coming at you soon. You can't see this because we don't do video recordings, but whatever. But if you I do some... like video recordings, you're doing that. That's true. Uh, boost Blocks, baby. Um, Jesse, you got anything you want to holla at? You got anything you want to speak to? No. All right, guys. Uh, shout out to uh, Zoe Saldana. Uh, Zazi Beats. Um, play. Shout out to Ken, the Crypto Whisperer. Play the outro.